Uh, Matthew chapter 5, look in verse number 13. We're starting here. This is the Sermon on the Mountain. The Sermon on the Mount. This is, uh, uh, this is Jesus teaching his disciples. Here we go. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has, have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, right? Uh, how many of you are barbecuing tomorrow? Anybody barbecuing? It's supposed to be nice weather tomorrow, right? Barbecuing. We, we barbecue, we, we cook, uh, uh, you know, we smoke some ribs or we cook some burgers or maybe you do fish and shrimp and stuff like that. Maybe you go swimming. But we have this day uh, that is there because somebody paid the ultimate price to make it possible. We, we have this day called Memorial Day where we remember the sacrifice of men and women that gave their life so that we could have a country of freedom, a great country. Can you say amen to that? Amen. A great place to live. We love living in our country. We love this place. This, this place, and I just want to make it clear to say that the reason it is great, the reason that we get freedom, the reason that we get to enjoy a day with our family in safety and peace and doing things we love to do is because somebody paid the price to make it so. Somebody went before you to, to make it possible for you to enjoy the goodness uh, that you will enjoy tomorrow. But when we think about our country, and let's broaden our scope, when we think about our world, does anyone think that maybe things just aren't the way they should be in the world? Does anybody think that the world is darker than it should be? Yes. It's worse than it should be, that our country isn't what it could be? I'm not going to preach a, a nationalist message or anything like that today, but I want to talk about the world in the way that Jesus describes the world. Because Jesus set forth his disciples in this world, knowing the world was dark, full of darkness. It's just not what it should be when we consider the violence in the world. According to the Gun Violence Archive, this organization, there have been, in 2023, so far, 184 mass shootings. 184. Uh, I did not know that before I was studying for this. These, these shootings have led to 248 deaths, 744 injuries. How tragic. The world's dark. People are violent. People are angry. Sometimes we don't even know why. It's, it's unexplainable, the tragedy that we see. Uh, some of you in here are professional news watchers, and you're... You, you feel this way because you watch it every day, the, the tragedy that's going on. I will tell you the world is dark. Our families are under attack. 
the, the, the very fabric of what God has set up as a foundation of society, the home, our, our biblical values are, are completely under attack in, in our society, in our world. Our major retailers, our schools, our news media, and our society as a whole is completely against the family values of the Bible. Uh, we're starting to realize that there is a distinctive difference between a Bible believer and the rest of society. At one point, there were, the, the lines were a little blurry. Somebody could be in society and, and believe what society believes, and it would be sort of Christian, but today is not the case. God forbid we should encourage our sons, number one, to be a male, but number two, to grow up to be men that would lead a family. Oh, male leadership, you know, be careful what you're asking for. Be careful what you're teaching. I would call this satanic confusion. The Bible talks about the prince of the power of the air who, who's in control for a period of time, the things down here on this earth, the world system as it is. Some would call him the prince of darkness. Just this week, as I like to bring in some present day news into what we're, what we're dealing with today, uh, Target is shown to be selling um, transgender clothing to children. Uh, and, and they're selling uh, what was really getting headlines is a, a one-piece women's swimsuit that is actually designed for males. I'm not going to go into it any further, but that's confusion. Uh, it, it goes on to be, to be found out that this partnership that uh, a major retail in our society, you walk in, you see all the, all the different clothing and the shirts and the little trinkets and stuff you can buy for Pride Month. It, this was a partnership with the designer who is an outspoken Satanist. Uh, his other t-shirts include messages like this one, Satan respects pronouns. It's no longer acceptable in our society, in our world, to believe that there are two genders. Uh, many of you, even in your workplaces, you see it on the, the signatures in your emails that you send or you, on your Zoom calls, you're required to uh, include your pronouns. It's something that you're, it's, it's something that's normalized. It's that you are not moral and you are not kind to others or respectful of others unless you participate and unless you declare ahead of time what your pronouns are. No longer is it normal to believe that marriage is between one biological man and one biological woman and that it should last for an entire lifetime. That, that is not the case today. We're coming up on June. Uh, I, I like to use a calendar. Does anybody in here stick to your calendar? You stick to a calendar? I, I love to put uh, events in my calendar. My wife and I, we sync up what's going on in our calendar. Well, I got on my calendar. I was like, there's this thing on my calendar. I said, how did this get on my calendar? And it was uh, on June 1st, and I realized that... Um, my calendar updated the holidays for me without asking. And uh, on June 1st, it, it is uh, on my calendar, LGBTQ, um, it says first day of Pride Month or something like that. LGBTQ Pride Month, first day. It's a holiday on my calendar, and I can't take it off unless I take off the entire calendar. And I go to say all of this, because the point I'm trying to make is that the world is dark. I'm not talking about dim lights. I'm not talking about um, can't see where you're going dark. I'm talking about spiritual darkness. I'm talking about um, 
anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-our values that we believe. Not, not only is the world filled with this anger and this violence and this hatred and this polarizing um, darkness when it comes to our gender and the confusion that goes on, but people in our world are hurting because of it. Uh, it. It is every day. It is on a daily basis. We meet with somebody. Somebody calls the church. Somebody's referred to us. A, a couple comes in. There's issues that somebody isn't facing severe depression. They just don't see purpose anymore. They don't see a reason for living. They're dealing with anxiety for, for things that uh, in the past may have been tolerable life, just daily life. Now we struggle to continue day by day. The anxiety is facing even children in our society. We see single motherhood on the rise. This is something we see in our church, and you may be experiencing this. It's just something we see that no longer is it the case that fathers stay and stick around and lead and care and love and nurture, but fatherlessness is on the rise. We, we live in a world where it's dark with sickness. How many of you in here right now know somebody with a major life-threatening disease that they're facing right now? You know somebody. It's, it's affecting your life. Almost all of us, can, can we, we hear about it. We pray about it. We see it constantly. Every day we hear about someone new that's sick. We, we hear the word cancer so often. What I want to say is the world is not how God intended it to be. God did not create the world with all of this in it, all of this strife and pain. Let me explain. The Bible says that sin entered into the world and death by sin. All the way back in the beginning when Adam and Eve were there in this perfect, beautiful garden uh, where everyone had perfect bodies and everyone was there and God was there. Everything was beautiful. It was good. There's nothing wrong. Well, Adam, he crossed the line. God said not to eat of the tree, and he ate of the tree. And he could have ate of all the other trees in the garden except that one, but he, he disobeyed God. And the Bible says that something happened to the world. The Bible says death entered into the world, and death, the sin entered into the world, and death by sin. The Bible says, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so this sickness is in the world today. That's why we have this anger. That's why we have the hatred. The, that's why we have the disease that we face. The world is sick. The world is dark and it's getting darker and darker. See, the thing is though, God had a plan for it all. Can you say amen to that? God had a plan for a world of darkness. The, the Bible says that God's plan was to redeem the world by the death of his son. That Jesus died so the world could, could live and the world could, could be redeemed. And Jesus came. He died on the cross for our sin. This is something I, I, I always point out to this. It's interesting. It's Memorial Day. But we, we, on Memorial Day, we honor those that died for us. They died for your freedom, for your ability to have a country that you love, for ability to have these gifts and these blessings you have. But there's only one person that died for your sin. And see, other people died for you. And that is amazing and honorable. And we, we thank God for that. But Jesus came to die for the sin of the world. He died for the sin of the world, and he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. He accomplished his task, and he left then his followers to share this news with humanity. 
So you've got this sin-sick world, this place of darkness. Jesus did what he needed to do, and then he left his followers here. His followers would be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would empower them to represent Jesus to the entire world. These Christians would be different. These disciples would have a different lifestyle. These disciples would have different priorities because they were living for a different kingdom. You see, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're here in this world. We're citizens of the United States. But you know what? We're citizens of a heavenly kingdom as well, which should take priority. These Christians would have a different purpose. And fast forward to 2023. That's where we are right now. We are those disciples. Fellowship Baptist Church is the the disciples of Christ in this city right now. And in the darkness where we find ourselves. So I want to ask you, what is the role of the disciple of Jesus in the world today? What does God want you to do in a world that is so dark? And it's simply to be the light in the darkness. God has called us to be light in the darkness. And over the next three weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to examine in Matthew chapter 5 the call that he gives us to light the world. God is calling you to light the world. Uh, He wants you to be a people who are shining before him, who influence the world towards God. But here's the problem. Many of us and many Christians, some at this present time, some of us in times past, we know this, is that instead of influencing the world, we have allowed the world to influence us. And when God calls us to be the light that shines We are the light that's hidden. When God calls us to be the salt that's salty, we are the salt that lost its savor. So we're going to be looking at this sermon series called Be Light. The fact that your soul often can get heavy, but Jesus can lighten your soul so that you can light the world I want to look in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. In Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus tells you exactly who you are. So I want, to, I want to help you with this. Can you say after me, I am salt. I am salt. Let's try it again. One, two, three. I am salt. I am salt. You are salt. He says it in Matthew 5, 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. He doesn't say You're going to become the salt of the earth. He said you already are the salt of the earth. There's a passage that tells us uh, that he will make you to become fishers of men. It's different than that. It's not something you're like going to become one day. He says right now you are Christians, disciples. You are salt. You are the salt of the earth. What does this mean, being salt? Jesus has a calling for us to live up to. He's got something for you to be in this world, in a dark world, in this world uh, that is sick and decaying. He calls you to salt the world. Let me explain. There is a world-reaching effect that you should have when you're present in the world. Uh, Our lifestyle should radically affect the world around us. Uh, You see, he, he has got you here. He's not called you to be invisible. He's not called you to not be noticed. He has called you to affect the entire world around you. But don't let, don't let that overwhelm you because sometimes you say, ah, I've changed the world, you know. It seems like a big task. That's not how it works. 
You change the world, you affect the world by affecting your world. Does that make sense? You have a family, you have a few friends, you have people you go to school with, you have people you work with. That's your world. And God has placed you. He has you present there, and he says, you know what? Salt that world. You're to salt the world. You're not called to blend in, but to be an influencer for him. Uh, How many of you heard this term influencer before? Influencer? Uh, Influencer, it's made popular. Uh, Influencing people for Jesus is not the same as being a YouTuber, okay? (laughs) Uh, We have YouTubers, and they're like popular. Everybody wants to be YouTube famous. You want to be an influencer. Let me explain what influencer means. Let me define that for you. It's a person who inspires or guides the actions of others. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 says this, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and he hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Every one of us disciples is a representative of Jesus. It's not that God picks like random people out of the church and says, okay, they're the representative. Everybody else is just like part of the family. No, every one of us individually, where we are in the world is a representative. We're an influencer. We're called to guide the actions of others. We're called to lead others in a way towards Jesus. And we do that by having the qualities of salt. So why does Jesus use salt? Uh, I had this in the hallway. Somebody told me I should cut salt out of my diet. <laughs> Anybody ever been told that before? Uh, you should cut salt out of your diet. Salt's like this thing we see everywhere. Right? We all have salt. Uh, salt. Uh, does anybody really like to put salt on their food? Anybody like that? You just—it's not ready unless you salt it up. Um, so salt is such a common thing, right? We understand uh, that salt. Like you put this on food. Uh, let me give you a cooking tip. You ready? Chris's cooking tip today. Uh, Sunday, May 28th. Wait until the end of your cooking to put the salt in, okay? That's my cooking tip. If you have salt, you're making a soup, or you're making something like that, wait until the end to add the salt. And add it a little bit at a time, because when you put the salt in, you know what it does? Changes everything. The the salt changes everything. There's two qualities of salt I want to point out today. Number one, salt, number one, salt (laughs) preserves In the Bible, in this time, salt was used as a regular preservative. We don't do that because we have freezers, food savers, and refrigerators, okay? Uh, So we just put our meat in the the freezer. Back in the day, they would salt the meat. And the, the, the salt acted as a dehydrator. It would take the moisture out of the meat, and it would preserve the meat from decaying. By its very nature, not having to do anything but be present on the meat the meat would be preserved, right? And so it is with disciples of Jesus. We're sent into the world as a whole to keep it from decay, to preserve the world. You are a preservative of the world. Does that make sense? You are the representative of Jesus, and he stands for something, and he lives for something, and he has a message to teach, and and that is a message that is a preserving message message. It's to keep the world from decay, preserving its goodness, preventing it from being corrupted or ruined. That's salt as a preservative. But the other thing salt does, and we know all about this, is salt enhances flavor. If you have something that's bland, ordinary, 
put a little salt on that. It will no longer, it will pop. It's a flavor enhancer. You put this salt in, and some of you like really like to salt things up. It really, really adds flavor. I've got salt all over myself. Few things in creation are more ordinary than salt. Comes out of the ground. Comes, comes out of the, we watched a video recently where they're, they're raking it out of like a, a, a pool and they'll rake this salt and it, it's just a natural thing. It's naturally formed, the salt. And it's natural, but it has such a distinct quality to it. It's, it's so incredible, the uses for it. Um, it can be used as a disinfectant. It is used to enhance food flavor. But here's the idea, here's the teaching, is that Christians are intended to spread throughout the world, and we are enhancers of the world. We add flavor to things that would be rather bland. Uh, We draw out the blessings of whatever is good. See, uh, salt, that's who we are. We are salt. And we are salt that's empowered by God. The Holy Spirit lives within us, and when you are present with your faith... When you are present with the joy of the Lord, when you are present with your acts of forgiveness, when you are present with your righteousness, you salt the earth. Does that make sense? You preserve the world from decay. You also add flavor. Let me ask you a question of application. Does your lifestyle preserve godly living and enhance those around you in the same way Jesus would if he were in your place? Consider where you work. If Jesus was doing your job, how would he affect your workplace differently than you are? Because that is who we're representing. That is the picture that Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth. So be that, be that preservative. Be that enhancer. How, how, do, how do your words, uh, how, what How does what you say salt the earth? In Colossians 4, verse 6, the Bible says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We we consider our words. Are you a kind person? Do you speak words of encouragement to those around you? Let's start with your kids. How, How does what you speak and what you say salt the earth? Do you have a preserving quality, an enhancing quality? Do you add value to people with your words and your lifestyle? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, we've got this apostle Paul, and he is He's talking to an up-and-coming preacher, uh, uh, somebody who's stepping into a role of leadership. And uh, he's saying to Timothy uh, in verse number 12 of chapter 4, he says, Let no man despise thy youth. Just because you're young doesn't mean you can't be what God's called you to be. He says, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Um, I am, how old do you think I am? Shout it out. 85. You guys are so generous. 35. I am getting old. No, I'm not. You know, I'm 35 years old. I have three kids. My oldest son is 11. And I often still feel like sometimes like I'm just growing up. Does anyone else feel like that? You just feel like you're, you're not quite grown up yet. You're not quite there. Some of you that raise your hand are old, okay? Um, 
But there's something about us, we have this feeling in our, in, inside our minds that maybe it's some, a mental, mental block or something, but we feel like I'm not, I'm not all the way there yet. I, I'm just not... When I read a passage, be salt. Yeah, I'm getting there. Or when I hear a passage, be an example of the believers. Ah, that's, that might be somebody, somebody else is a much better example than me. Maybe not me. Maybe that shouldn't be me. I feel those things sometimes. It's like I'm still growing up. And I, God has been speaking to me lately. And it has been the, the idea in my mind, grow up. When we live in a world that is so full of darkness, the world doesn't need you to blend in. The world doesn't need you just to like be bland. The world needs salt and the world needs light. We need examples of what believers are in the world. In your workplace, you've gone long enough blending in. You've gone long enough just being like one of the guys or one of the ladies or just being a good employee. Now it's time to be salt. God says, be an example of the believers. You are a representative of Jesus. Just like if Jesus were in our workplace or in our school or in our house on a daily basis, our lives should radiate the qualities of Jesus because we're his followers. God, he envisions his people salting the earth. You can enhance your workplace by showing them what a believer really is. In your kindness, in your love, in your concern for others, in your care, how you pray for others, and your encouraging words. You can preserve godliness in your family. Be that preservative. It's time to grow up. You can walk in integrity as a father, as a man, as a leader, as a mother. It's, it's okay to, to be an example of the believers. You can pray. You can lead. You can actually live what God is calling you to live. Everywhere Jesus went, he loved people. He served people. He saw the needs of others and showed that he cared. The Bible says he was often moved with compassion. That is what it means to be the salt of the earth. The idea that that he would go and he would see the needs of others. If we were like that, we could salt the earth as Jesus calls us. One pastor said that God has planted us where we are needed. In the marketplace in our society, in the mission field, to promote the growth of good and prevent the growth of evil. You are a representative of Jesus every day, whether you like it or not, if you're a believer. It's not something you're becoming, it's something you are. What kind of salt are you? Jesus gives a second illustration in verse number 14. Look in your Bible, Matthew 5, verse 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. Can you say with me, I am light. light. Let's try it again. One, two, three. I am light. You are light. And this is getting heavy. You are light. Listen, you are the light of the world. Wait a second. I thought Jesus said he was the light of the world. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, he did say that. In John 8, 12, Jesus Uh, It says, Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now that sounds great, right? You follow Jesus, you're no longer walking in darkness. You've got the light of life. Okay. In John 9, 5, it seems like he's changing something up a little bit here. He says, 
as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know what? Jesus, he spoke to his disciples in another passage. He says, you know what? I'm, I'm going away. And it's good for you that I go away. He said, it's, it's expedient. It's good for you that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send someone down here in my place. And we know in the book of Acts, we see Jesus, he ascends back up into heaven, leaves his disciples there, and he, he tells them how the Holy Spirit is there to empower them, to live inside them, to dwell in their, their bodies as, as the temple of God. And in, in Matthew 5, uh, 14, we see, ye are the light of the world. Jesus left the world, and now we are left here as those that are empowered to represent him. We are his representative lights. We are his lights wherever we are. Why does Jesus refer to us as the light of the world? I want to teach you some of the properties of light. Let me just illustrate this for you. We'll see how this goes. Um, let me turn this iPad down here. I'm walking around the stage right now. And I'm considering walking down the steps. Do you think that's a good idea no. right about now? Would somebody like to see that? No. Every day we have ordinary things. Imagine doing it all in darkness. I have this wonderful thing called a flashlight. Light is something very special. From the very beginning, God, when he created light, he said, let there be light. And there was light. And he, he created the sun. And when he created the sun, it, it divided darkness from light. There's a, with salt and light, there's a clear distinction. It's so different. One of the things about light is that it gives direction. If you don't know where to go, uh, a few weeks ago, let me do this. I'm going to blind you all and I'm going to turn my light off. Um, uh, a few weeks ago when we had Easter, several weeks ago now, Easter Sunday, Pastor Tony prepared a message. And the one thing that I didn't anticipate in helping him with his message was that we would turn all the lights off in the auditorium. But it was Easter Sunday, and so all the people were still coming in the back. And I realized people would walk through the back doors, and they were blinded, meaning like they, they went from light to pitch darkness, and they couldn't see anything. They were just immobilized. They, could, they were standing still. And so I ran during Easter Sunday service uh, to the back, back here where our, our, um, we get our microphones. And I stole from the worship team these little book lights. And I put them back there in the back, just one little tiny light. And I put it in the back so that people could see. One light in darkness can provide direction. You understand? The other thing about light, not only provides direction, but it provides, I'm sorry, it displays the truth. Uh, if, if you ever have a kid that's uh, afraid, I'm going to shine this on the camera, they really can't see anything now. Um, you ever have a child that's afraid of the dark? Is anyone in here afraid of the dark? Raise your hand. Well, can we turn the lights on for these people that are afraid of the dark? Let's go ahead and turn the lights back on. When you have a child that is afraid of the dark... Um, is there really a monster in the room? No. no, kids, no. There's a few kids in here. There are not monsters in the room. Maybe your kid is dealing with this now. Uh, monsters, Inc. would tell you otherwise. You know, they got that, those doors that open to your bedroom. But no, there are no monsters in there. 
When you go in a room of a child that says, ah, there's something scaring me, something's in my closet, something's in my room, what do you do? Turn the light on. Why do you turn the light on? Because the light displays really what's happening. It's not that because they believe a monster is there, that there really is one there. That's not how truth works. Just because our mind conceives something and we think it's there doesn't mean it's actually true. doesn't mean it's actually there. Let me explain this to you. Light gives direction. Direction is defined as a proper course of action or guidance. Proper course of action. In Psalm 119, verse 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Does anyone here have a physical Bible? Yeah, some of you got your uh, Bible on your phone. When we, when we go to God's Word, it's described as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Because in every area of life, we have this foundation. We have this, uh, this direction giver for our lives called the Bible. Uh, when it comes to dealing with other people and maybe we have a problem and, and a, a conflict, how do we deal with the conflict? Well, we, we can find answers in the Bible. When it, when it comes to marriage and we say, what is a marriage and how do I, how do I have a good marriage and how do I, what, what do we do in the church and what, is a, what does a church look like and how does a church operate? How do we get those answers? Go to God's word. When it comes to our finances and our money and all, all topics of, of purity and lust and the desires we have and the appetites we have and all, how do we handle it? We get our direction from God's word. Well, we live in a world that is so far away from God's word. They, they are almost opposite. They're they are leaning all, all the way the other direction. They're without direction. Uh, they, they are without the light that gives them direction for life. And Jesus says in, in Matthew 5, 14, ye are the light of the world. When you are in the world, you are to give direction. You, you have direction so that you can help others find direction. We've received spiritual direction from Jesus, the light of the world, and we are to then go light the world ourselves. Let me explain about displaying truth. Uh, when when we, we talked about how the monster is the monster really in the room, just because I believe it to be so. No, it's not in the room. Actually, there are no monsters. It's just some, you know, it's, it's whatever. It's something, a shadow of something. It's uh, something from outside, uh, you know, shining through the light of outside. I don't know what it is. It's something, but it's not a monster. We need to be displayers of truth. When, when somebody, there are people, and if you're in here, I'm glad you're here. And I, I, this message is primarily to Christians. Listen, there, there are people that are so blinded today that they will tell you straight to your face and call you a, a hater or, or some sort of judgmental person if you tell them, that they, they would tell you that men can get pregnant. Men cannot get pregnant. Does that make sense? Just because you believe it to be so does not make it true. And I, we need to come back to where we're at. Jesus realized the world is full of darkness. This is the kind of darkness. It's always been dark. There's been various types of darkness, but this is the darkness in which we live in. We are to be displayers of truth. We live the truth. We speak the truth. We show the truth because we're light in the world. If we don't do it, there is no other representative. 
Jesus doesn't send angels in our place to take our job. He made you the representative of his light where you are every day. But let me remind you, in Ephesians 4.15, the Bible says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ. Listen, uh, though we can say the truth, we say the truth with love. And you know, it's not, that doesn't mean we leave the truth out or we share a half-truth. We tell the truth, and the truth in its very essence is loving. Does that make sense? It is not loving to participate in a lie. It is not loving to participate in a lie. We are bearers of light. Light displays the truth. So stand for the truth, what is really real. What did Jesus envision for his church when he left for heaven in Acts chapter 1? He saw his people all over the world being a light in the darkness. Our world needs direction. Our world needs truth. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Let me tell you that there is no way for a person to be saved from eternal hell outside of Jesus Christ. If somebody doesn't receive Jesus as their Savior, they cannot go to heaven. That is truth. That is the light that we are to share. It's an exclusive truth. There's no other way. You you don't get to heaven based on your truth. It's that Jesus is the truth. Does that make sense? Are you understanding that? Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Light displays truth. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How will someone know the direction to Jesus? How will someone hear the truth? They're going to get it from you. They're going to get it from me. What happens is all of these lights and these, these really salty Christians, see, salty in a good sense, right? Not, not salty as we define it today. Uh, that's funny, play on words there. Uh, be salty, but not salty. Um, so you be salty in a good way. You're out there representing Christ and his values. You have the Holy Spirit living through you. So you salt the earth, but you also light the world. We, we are out in our community every week. We are to be representatives, examples of Jesus, lighting the world. If you've ever been in your house, when you've turned the lights off or the power went out, you've probably stubbed your toe on something, which is one of the worst pains you can ever have, is to stub your toe in the dark. Um, You stub your toe, and it hurts, and it's painful. The reason why is because you can't see. You are blinded by the darkness. And that is really a good illustration of the world today. The world today is literally in their house tripping on things in the darkness. They're they're confused in the darkness. They don't have direction in the darkness. To, To say this month, and you'll hear it, that love is love. That's a misrepresentation. That's, a, that's, a, that's taking a word that God gives us and he defines and it's, it's misrepresenting what love is. To say that love is loving whoever you so choose to just isn't truth. Jesus is the truth and Jesus in his word sets the standard for what is truth. To say that men can have children may be something that somebody truly believes 
They may believe it with all their heart. They may work for a cause that represents these values, but realize that those people are in darkness. They have no direction and they can't see the truth. Somebody needs to turn on the light and show them the truth. Does that make sense? Sorry for shining this in your eye, Tammy. No problem. <laughs> people are blinded by Satan and lost in darkness. They're experiencing the consequences of walking around your house without any lights on. You're hurting yourself. And you've got to think we have parents in this world that believe things that are so far away from God's word. And they're not only hurting themselves, they're also hurting their children. They're hurting their families. That is why our role in this is to be the light and to be the salt. I want you to look in verse number 13. Let me recap here and we'll move on. You're the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The, the intention of God for you is that you would be the salt and you would be the light in such a way that it would be before men. It's not invisibility. It's not blending in. It's something that people visibly see. They see your love. They see your kindness. They see your work ethic. They see what you stand for because you live it in your life. It's not something you just say, but it's something that you actually follow through and do. They see you. The Bible says they see your good works. And because of that, you influence them to glorify your Father which is in heaven. We ought to be a church that is lighting the world, that we go out here and our good works are just on display everywhere. We are caring for people. We are sharing with people. We are loving people that no one else will love. We are speaking the truth in love. That's one of our distinctive characteristics. Both of these things, salt and light, what is true of them is they are distinct. They stand out. Uh, salt is distinct. It makes something uh, so flavorful. It enhances. You just can't deny the salt. The same thing with light and darkness. You can't deny the light. It is distinctive. Let me ask you. If you are the salt of the earth, have you lost your savor? The Bible says in verse 13, if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Verse 14, talking about the light, he says, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel or a basket, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Here's where we're at, and here's where I'm going to wrap up our message today. God has clearly called you to be salt and be light. You understand that? But the thing is, we, sometimes we get to this place where we are not salty salt. We are not shining bright. We, our, our light is under a bushel. I've had this, I've had this backpack on, and uh, it is getting heavy, and I'm ready to wrap this up. Um, when we go through life, go through the world especially, so much darkness, so much evil, so much wickedness, so many things that are anti-God, anti-good for you, anti-Bible, things that will hurt you and harm you. And I, when we look in Matthew chapter 5, he begins this 
Sermon on the Mount saying, ye are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But then as he continues in Matthew chapter 5 and in Matthew chapter 6, he's preaching. And he's preaching on certain sins. He's preaching on certain lifestyle choices that we make, certain things we get caught up in in this world that we live in. In Matthew chapter 6, he, he begins to preach through our priorities and how we really get things out of whack sometimes. And it's like we're walking through the world and we're just wearing this backpack we carry with us and we're just picking up. Oh my word. Here's how I'd like to illustrate this. It's like we're picking up these rocks in the world. Man, that was heavy. Maybe this rock here, you've picked it up. You're living with a tolerated sin. How can you be salt when you are committing the exact same sins that the world is committing habitually? That's where, that's where we're going in the next couple weeks is that, you know what? We want to be salt. We want to be light. Man, it would be so awesome if our whole church, we just get sent out of here and we're like, we're, we're missionaries on the ground, here in the field, we're witnessing to people, seeing them saved. But what happens is we find ourselves sometimes where we picked up some rocks and we put it in our bag and we, we've weighted our soul down in such a way that we cannot do what God has called us to do. We, we, maybe, maybe for you, this is, these represent misplaced priorities. Maybe, maybe there's a sports league you're a part of, your kids, maybe you've just gotten wrapped up in career and, and the goals that you have and uh, trying to amass some sort of, you're making a living, but you forgot the life that God has called you to live. The fact is that he's called you to a different kingdom and you're so caught up in this kingdom. It's really hard to be salt. It's really hard to be light. when what you're carrying around is just so stinking heavy. Imagine going around day after day with a backpack full of rocks on. It'd be tough to do just about anything. But I believe that's what we're doing as Christians in this world. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 11. Before we are called to live for Jesus, We've got to come to Jesus. We've, we've got to get with him and, and, and get things right with him. And he says this in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of you, when you come to church and you hear Pastor Tony talking about having faith and and, and doing something for God and, and having that lion's den moment, or we come today and you, you hear the Jesus saying, you're salt, and you're like, you're, you're just thinking, I am too weighed down for that. I cannot be salt. I cannot be light. Jesus says, if you come to him with those things you've picked up, just need to take a moment, take that thing out of your bag, take that rock out. You've got to realize what you're dealing with. You've got to consciously come to Jesus and give this to him. You consciously come to Jesus with your heavy burdens of your soul. You give it to him. And he says, I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. I think about, uh, yeah, I, church to me many times is like a pep rally. We come in here and it's awesome. We're like, yeah, this team, and we're pumped up. Some of you, you get so excited at the message and, you're, and even the song service, you're so excited. You're like, I could do anything. But then on, when Monday comes around, you realize you've got this habit that's got you weighed down. Or you go to work and you, you're going to have a, you're trying to be salt and light and there's a coworker that you just stink and hate. And you're so bent out of shape with unforgiveness and bitterness that you cannot do what God has called you to do. That's a rock that you're holding on to. That's something in your life that you've got to bring to the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 12, this is my last verse today. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, See, in Hebrews 11, there were all these people that ran their race for God. They lived a life on this earth in the place where God put them to be what God called them to be by faith. They they ran their race. Now he's going to speak into you before you run your race. The Bible says this, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I get excited reading the verse, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I pray that for our church that we can be that salt and we can be that light but the truth is before we can be light we've got to be light we've got to lighten our souls we've got to come to God take these rocks out see some of us are just hoping that these rocks will go away you got them on your back and you're just thinking ah God I want to serve you I want to do what you want all the while you got stuff you got to deal with we all have baggage we all have issues we all have things that we're carrying around God has a calling on your life. And until you take a look at these things, we are not going to be who God has called us to be. So let me ask you this. What rocks are weighing you down and keeping you from being the light of the world? What is it? 